If you're here tonight and you really believe that this God we worship who came to us in the person of Jesus Christ and fills His believers with His Holy Spirit, if you believe that this God is great, can I hear you say amen? Amen. Amen. Let's thank the Lord. It's this idea of the greatness of God that I'd I'd love to uh, meditate on with you tonight. Uh, This week I was reading the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, and God put His finger on a certain verse which spoke to me with power. And I'd like to share this verse with you, but before I do, I want to warn you. I want to warn you that these words carry truth that our culture finds hard to swallow. And maybe you will too. You might want to turn your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 57, verse 15. It'll be up on the screen if I can't see it. It is nighttime, of course. So uh, uh, this is Isaiah, chapter 57, verse 15. Uh, And these words are really important because they proclaim truth about who God is and who I am in relation to God. Uh, This is important because the only way that I can grow in my relationship with God is if I have an accurate view of who God is and who I am. Isaiah 57, verse 15. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Powerful words. God says, I feel at home in two places. First, I dwell in a high and holy place. And second, I dwell with men and women who are lowly in spirit and contrite in heart. Let's take an honest look at what God is saying here and how this message cuts against the message of our culture. Uh, First, what is God's message here? Uh, Don't miss this. God is telling me how to grow close to Him. Uh, Many of us here, we love to talk about how we want to grow closer to God. Well, here God tells me how to do it. God says, He comes close to those who are lowly in spirit and contrite in heart. So God is telling me that if I want to be close to Him, then I must choose a self-identity, a certain self-identity that is low compared to God and a self-identity that is contrite before God. To grow close to God, I must choose a low self-identity that says, God, you are all-powerful, I am weak. God, you are all-knowing, but I know so little. God, you have the right to expect everything from me. I have the right to expect nothing from you. God, you don't need me, but I am totally dependent on you. So, do you see the attitude? The lowly spirit is an attitude of humility that makes me see God as so high that I see myself as low in comparison to who God is. And God's message is that I grow closer to Him when I see Him accurately. 
God dwells with me when I have such a high view of Him that I have a low self-identity compared to Him. And this message cuts against the emphasis of our culture. The message of our culture is that above all, I must have a high view of myself. And the worst sin and the worst results come when I let anyone or anything cause me to lower my self-identity. And this message clash gets even more intense when it comes to the second part of this verse, which is this word contrite. Being contrite involves a specific acknowledgement of my imperfections and failings and downfalls. According to God's Word in Isaiah, to grow close to God, I must choose a contrite self-identity that says, God, You are so right, and I am so wrong. God, You are so wise. God, I am so foolish. God, You are perfect and pure, and I am impure, perfect and impure, and all I can do is fall on Your mercy and Your grace. This contrite heart takes the lowly spirit to a whole nother level. Uh, With a contrite heart, I go beyond just acknowledging that God is better than me. I then go on to admit that I am broken and twisted and rebellious and sinful. So in a lowly spirit, I confess that God is all good. And then in a contrite heart, I confess that I'm not. That I'm not all good. I I even have parts of me that are bad. Once again, this concept cuts across the, the grain in our culture. Instead of accepting that people are sinners, uh, my culture tells me that I'm basically good and that uh, I can do anything that I put my mind to. And the only real sin, if there's sin, is selling myself short and setting my sights too low and having a low self-image. So the question becomes, how do I resolve this? I mean, uh, what do I do about this message clash? How should I view myself? God's Word says that in order to grow close to Him, I must adopt a lowly spirit and a contrite heart. Does this mean that God wants me to have a low self-esteem? Can I have a high view of God and a healthy self-esteem at the same time? Well, the biblical answer is that a healthy self-esteem is only possible with an accurate view of God. The biblical answer is that I am created in God's image. And so this banishes the idea of self-loathing on any level. The biblical answer is that when I become a child of God through faith in Jesus, I have the highest self-identity possible because I understand that I am a loved, forgiven, chosen child of the Father and Creator of the universe. The biblical answer is that a healthy self-esteem is only possible 
when I have an accurate view of God and myself as reflected in Scripture. But at the same time, there is no doubt. I don't want anybody leaving not getting this point. And that is that the Bible's definition of a healthy self-esteem is totally different than the way our culture defines a high self-esteem. There's a problem. And if you ask me, the problem is how our culture has come to define and even deify the goal of a high self-esteem over the past 60 years or so. Let me just elaborate on this for uh, a few moments. Uh, Up until the 20th century, uh, every civilized culture in world history believed that a too high estimation of oneself was the cause of evil in the world. Uh, Why are certain people abusive uh, and take advantage of others? The long-standing answer through world history has been that people are proud and they're self-centered. But then in the 20th century, Western culture uh, started a gradual uh, boomerang into the opposite conclusion. Throughout the West, and then especially in the United States, uh, the cultural consensus shifted and proclaimed that the real reason that people misbehave is because they have too low a view of themselves. And that the worst evil in the world comes because of a low self-esteem. And if you doubt this, uh, you haven't really been listening to the underlying assumptions of our justice system and our correctional system, our educational system, or even just the current voices of pop psychology. If you listen, you will hear that the reason a mugger steals an old lady's purse is because he has a low view of himself. Uh, The reason that a mean girl cyber bullies a fellow student is because this torturing cyber bully has a low view of herself. Uh, The reason that a husband beats his wife is because he just doesn't think highly enough of himself. And so we have chosen as a culture to go in the opposite uh, direction of every society before us and say that the reason that people misbehave is not because they are too self-centered, but because they're not self-centered enough. Uh, And that's the big problem our culture feels. The big problem is that we need to encourage people to have higher and higher levels of self-esteem. And the popular reaction to the words of the Bible, that I, for instance, the words that I just read from Isaiah, uh, that's proof. The reaction of our culture to these words is proof of, the, of a cultural shift that has taken place. Because up until about 60 years ago, nobody would be bothered by this biblical teaching about having a lowly spirit and a contrite heart. Sixty years ago, um, you didn't have churches or preachers who systematically removed from their teaching any mention of sin or uh, repentance. Uh, but you have a lot of that today. Today, preachers prove that you can gather really big crowds if you never mention concepts like Jesus' call to deny self daily, pick up your cross and follow him. You can gather big crowds if you preach instead of self-denial, 
like Jesus talks about, you just speak about self-improvement and self-achievement and self-actualization because this is the drumbeat of our culture. On the other hand, the Bible and its call to a lowly spirit and a contrite heart sounds to us like God is calling us to have a low self-esteem, which is a problem because we've been trained to equate low self-esteem with dysfunctionality. And we've been trained that pursuing a high self-esteem leads us to be better people who get better results in life. But there are two false assumptions here. The first false assumption is that God and His call to a lowly spirit and a contrite heart is a call to a low self-esteem. That is not true. In a moment, I'm going to show you how in the Bible, God does not call His people to either a low self-esteem or a high self-esteem. But more about that in a moment. The second false assumption is that our culture is correct when it proclaims that high self-esteem is something that can be taught or uh, pursuing it as a goal makes us into better people who get better results in life. An article appeared in the uh, New York Times Magazine not too long ago. The article was written by a uh, psychologist named Lauren Slater and was titled, The Trouble with Self-Esteem. And in this article, uh, Dr. Slater reports how social scientists have known for years that there is no research evidence that a low self-esteem is a big problem in our society. And that to the contrary of the consensus in our culture, antisocial behavior has direct links to high self-esteem and not low self-esteem. According to this uh, article, uh, in three recent studies on uh, self-esteem, all three studies come to the same conclusion. That, here I quote, people with high self-esteem pose a considerably greater threat to those around them than do people with low self-esteem. And feeling bad about oneself is not the source of any of the country's biggest problems. End quote. A similar report uh, comes from the Chicago school system, which engaged in a multi-year, multi-million dollar effort to build student self-esteem. The emphasis came from the philosophy that uh, the chief reason that students don't uh, academically perform well is low self-esteem. And so the results were published uh, not too long ago, and one Chicago school teacher summarized the results by saying that after millions of dollars and man hours, quote, self-esteem scores have never been higher and educational test scores have never been lower. Now, I, I'm, not a, I'm not an educational professional. Some of you are. And so you know a lot more than I do about some of this. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not 
arguing, nobody is arguing that we ought to give our kids classes on low self-esteem. That's not the point here. Uh, But Dr. Slater does quote numerous researchers who demonstrated that people with a lower self-esteem actually do better in life than high self-esteem people because low self-esteem people work harder and are smarter about their limitations. And I share all of this because what actually becomes clear in the research is the same thing that is clear in the Bible. And that, there, and that is this, that there are disadvantages to both a low self-esteem and a high self-esteem. The Bible says that both low self-esteem and high self-esteem are, can equally be traceable or poisoned by sin. Both low self-esteem and high self-esteem can lead to psychological problems and social problems and vocational performance problems. And the Bible, the Bible demonstrates that the reason both low self-esteem and high self-esteem are impediments in this life is the same reason why they are impediments to a serious relationship with God. That both low and high self-esteem are focused on self. When God calls me to a lowly spirit and a contrite heart, God is not calling me to a low self-esteem or a high self-esteem. He's calling me to stop focusing on myself altogether. The whole point of a lowly spirit and a contrite heart is to abandon my natural tendency to be obsessed with myself and to instead find the love and strength and forgiveness and power that comes when I focus on my Savior instead. And with this in mind, I just want to point out one other very important verse in Isaiah. This is where the Lord says in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2, this is God speaking. He says, These are the ones I esteem, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and tremble at my word. I love this. God says, that it doesn't matter how I esteem myself in the final analysis. What really matters is how God esteems myself. God wants to set me free from the perils of a low self-esteem or the high self-esteem. God wants to set me free from self-esteeming altogether by showering me with His esteem. God pours out His esteem in my life when I become a child of God through faith in Jesus and then live a life that is God-focused instead of self-focused. And when I do, when I become a God-focused person, I am revived. Did you catch that theme back in uh, Isaiah 57, verse 15? God says, uh, I live with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. When? With a lowly spirit and a contrite heart. I focus on God instead of myself. God promises to revive me. 
When I focus on God and His excellence and God's infinite power, I am revived as I realize that this Almighty God loves me and becomes my friend in Jesus. When with a contrary heart, I focus on God's perfect personality and moral excellence, I'm revived as I realize that this flawless Father forgives me completely in Jesus. When I focus on God... And with a lowly spirit and contrite heart, God then revives me. Revives me with the outpouring of His esteem on my soul. So God's approval, God's joyful estimation of me is all that really matters when it comes to making me a better person who gets better results in life. The Apostle Paul discovered this liberation that comes with God's estimation when he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. It is the Lord who judges me. I don't know about you, but this is who I want to be. This is the self-identity That will set me free. Like Paul, I want the self-identity to be fused, to have my self-identity fused with God's estimation of me in Jesus. And when I live under this reviving estimation of me, criticism can't touch me. Because I'm not a slave to the approval of others. Jealousy can't touch me. Because I'm free from comparing myself against other people. I'm free from the joyless prison of self-absorption, self-centeredness, self-promotion, self-focus, low self-esteem, high self-esteem, because I'm focusing on God instead of myself. I'm focused on the greatness of God and how He is all-powerful, and I am not. I'm focused on the excellence of God and how He is all-perfect and how I am not. And this doesn't give me a low self-esteem or a high self-esteem because I'm not focused on myself. My focus is on this awesome God and how He esteems me as His child and how He is making me more and more like Him in love and mercy and joy and peace and reviving me in the process. A missionary once told me about an experience that he had among a remote tribal village in uh, Asia. And the people of this tribe worshipped a deity that was ruthless and violent. This tribal god hated his worshippers by legend and demanded blood from his people by the bucketful. And so these people drained their blood and uh, became weak and sick in the process. Uh, This tribal god was full of wrath and fury and demanded that his worshipers give him food sacrifices. And though they barely had enough to feed themselves, uh, they would bring these food sacrifices and they lived on the brink of starvation. And this tribal god was brutal and stingy and merciless. And to this tribe, this missionary brought the good news of Jesus and A God who is a father of love and generosity and forgiveness and joy. And one day, a woman came up to this missionary and in conversation, she shared with him how her husband beat her with violence and how 
he was cruel to his children and how he was harsh and mean and stingy. And then she said something, and this missionary related it to me, and it stuck with me for all these years. She said, he would be a better man if he worshipped a better God. This woman understands something that many of us do not. We don't understand that our lives are small and weak to the degree that we worship a God who is small and weak. We would be better people if we worshipped a better God, the one who describes himself and introduces himself in the words of Scripture. God calls us to see him as he really is. And then he revives us into the people that we dream to be. This is why God calls us to a lowly spirit and a contrite heart. God calls me to be revived as I reconsider who He is and then reconsider myself. Let's pray. God, we come now with our offering. And this offering comes from the degree that we understand who you are and who we are. And Lord, we want to come and we want to once again through our offerings say that you are God, we are not. This life is really not about us. It's about you and about pleasing you and serving you. That's what we want to say once again in our offering. We want to say it with the worship on our lips. We want to say it with the lives that we live. Lord, would you make us more like you, Jesus, because we worship you with a spirit of, of, of lowliness in comparison to who you are, with a spirit that is contrite, aware of who we are. And Lord, would you uh, then change us in a way that, that truly revives us for your purpose in this world. And Lord, thinking of our world, Lord, we do want to at this moment just uh, pray for the Uh, the students and the faculty of uh, the Jonathan Law High School who uh, witnessed this murder in the hallway of this high school in Milford. Lord, we pray that you would bring your peace, that you would bring your your presence into those who are uh, traumatized even today. And Lord, we think of of your call upon our lives to be a, a source of peace and strength in this world. And Lord, would you empower us for that purpose? We pray now. Amen.